I just feel like there's a real richness of God's presence with us. I mean, he's here all the time, but sometimes he just comes and shows himself in particular ways. And, uh, yeah, as I say, I, I feel like we can just break off whatever it is we need, whatever it is we want this evening. Um, and it's about encountering him. It's all about him. I love that song we were singing. He's the fountain. He's the one. He's the source. Um, it's all about him. And this evening, I want to look at a particular aspect of who he is, uh, because I'm coming to realize uh, that love changes everything. Uh, that love changes everything. And uh, I want to lo- look at him through the eyes of love. Uh, I love looking at Jesus. I love looking at God and just imagining who he is, just dwelling on who he is. But there's no better thing to do than to look and look for love, uh, because that is who he is, and that's how he reveals himself to us. So we're going to start uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, as you would imagine, when we're talking about love. But just to give it some context, it just kind of struck me afresh this week. Um, I was actually listening to Leif Hetland, and uh, who some of you may have seen, heard of. Uh, he's kind of referred to as the ambassador of love. Uh, it goes into the Middle East, and I think he's seen a million Muslims come to Christ now. Um, we might see a video of him later, if we've got time. I've got a couple of videos I'd like to, to perhaps show. But uh, his story is quite amazing. He was a Baptist pastor from Norway who... Um, his ambition was to grow his church from 185 to 200. Uh, so that was his big vision. He had a church of 185 people and his big vision was to grow it to 200. And he, he tells his own story, but I think, you know, he said he, they worked really hard and two people got saved. And then two people died. <laughs> and so they were back to square one and it was all all over again and they were back on that hamster wheel and... They were trying to make things happen, and he's, he's had a roller coaster of a, a, a life and ministry, uh, but through it all, he's discovered uh, that love changes everything and uh, has had a number of encounters with love. We may get to hear him talk about one of those uh, later, but he was just, I just saw a clip of him, the, and he was just talking about the Apostle Paul, who started out as the terrorist Saul, and he was challenging as actually in terms of how do you see people and what eyes do you see people with? When you look at people, do you see the terrorist Saul or do you see the Apostle Paul? How do you look at people? And he talks about on the back of his own encounter with the love of God or encounters, just how his, the way he looked at people, the way he looked at life, the way he looked at those around him completely changed. And instead of seeing the terrorist Saul, he saw the Apostle Paul and he just talked about, you know, Paul writing about love and the kind of encounters that Paul himself must have had with the love of God. And it never really struck me before so much, you know, just thinking about Paul, you know, he went from being a terrorist to being the person who's given us probably the definition of what love is. You know, if people want to know what love is, or, you know, at weddings, wherever it may be, this is the chapter they use. It's the same man. And uh, I was just thinking about that and just thinking, you know, what's, what would be a modern day equivalent? I'm trying to just give it some context. 
you know, in Osama bin Laden, you know, he's not here anymore, but, you know, can you imagine Osama bin Laden being the, the person who ends up writing about love? You know, he, he writes a book on love that is the bestseller the world over. Can you imagine Vladimir Putin? I mean, this is, you know, this is the transformation that we're talking about. You know, all the gang murders that we're seeing in London. You know, one of them writing about love. You know, that, that's the kind of transformation that took place. And you just think, what, what did Paul encounter? What did Paul experience when he was knocked off his horse? Or perhaps more to the point, who did he experience? He experienced Jesus. And he experienced true love. I believe that what he's writing about here, it's come out of his experience. You don't don't change, you know, night and day. You, You don't change like that without a radical, transforming experience. And he met the person who is love. And he wrote this, so Ephesians, sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And he's, he's just been teaching about spiritual gifts, as many of you all know. And then he stops, he pauses, and he says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. So he's been talking about miracles, he's been talking about prophets, he's been talking about apostles, he's been talking about doing amazing things, seeing amazing things happen, having gifting and seeing the power of God break out. But he pauses and says, if I speak or if you speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, how many of you want faith that can move a mountain, that can shift circumstances and situations? Well, if you have that but you've not love, you've got nothing. These are strong words. Strong words. If I give everything I possess to the poor, if I lay my life down, surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. It's amazing that without love, all of these things that we aspire to, all of these things that we long to do, if we were to take a straw poll around the room, what do you want to do? What dreams do you have? What do you want to see happen? You know, we'd probably list many of these things, perhaps not the surrendering your body to the flames, but, you know, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, seeing people saved, seeing your sphere of influence transformed, being able to read people's mail like Sean Bolts. What is it for you? But Paul says, without love, you have nothing. You have nothing. It's just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And I'm just realizing more and more that love really is the oil that makes the engine run. It stops the engine from seizing up. Love changes everything. And he goes on to describe what love is and Actually, love is a person. A few years ago, when I was reading this, I was also reading the gift, uh, the fruit of the spirit in Galatians. You know, patient, uh, fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. 
And I suddenly realized I was looking at it instead through the lenses of, of relationship. And I suddenly realized that when Paul lists these things here, he's describing a person, not just a concept or a kind of moral code. In, in 1 John it says, God is love. God is love. That's who he is. That's what he is. So God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He doesn't boast. God isn't proud. He's not rude or self-seeking. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of your wrongs. God doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with what's true. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. God never fails. It's, it's a person. Love is a person. Love is a person. And it's so important that love informs and infuses everything we do. It's so important that love is the oil that's fueling our engine, that's fueling what we're doing. Because without love, we have nothing. But I'm just beginning, I'm noticing that with love, actually anything becomes possible. I'm just looking around the world at people doing the most amazing things. And there's a, a theme running through their message. There's a, ream, a theme running through their lives. When I think of uh, Heidi and Roland Baker, when I think of people like Sean Bowles or Leif Hetland, when I think of others who are doing extraordinary things, the common denominator you come back to is love. Compelled by love. Transformed by love. If you've read Sean Boltz's book, um, Translating God, I would, I would say that really, for me, I, when I read that book, it was just describing a heart culture of love. It was describing a, a culture and environment of love in which the prophetic can flourish, in which the prophetic can go to new levels. I came away having read that book and suddenly thought, actually, I believe what he's releasing through that book isn't just isn't just for the prophetic, but actually I think on that heart culture, that culture of love, is actually the kind of culture that God can release extraordinary miracles and extraordinary power on. I don't know if any of you have been in the room when Sean has been prophesying or looked on YouTube, but he literally will read people's mail. Um, he went, I think he said when he started out, he was at the Kansas City Prophets, and uh, when he started out, he was kind of the worst of all the prophets in the room. He kind of got the words where he got someone to stand up and said, God loves you. And uh, that, was, that was about as detailed as it, as it got. Um, and now he's reading people's mail. And uh, he describes in his book getting a 27-digit bank account detail, code. Somebody's personal, private, even his wife didn't know it. So as Sean's reading it out to him, his drawer literally drops to the floor because there's no way he could have known that. And I just came away thinking, actually, 
this kind of extraordinary power, extraordinary gifting, I believe God can release it on a heart culture of love. A heart culture of love. And I think power and love go together. They flow together. And actually, in order to magnify power, we need to ensure that it's in a context of love. And on that, I just want to perhaps play the first video, Hannah, if we could show the one with Heidi Baker. Um, And she just speaks about that in the context of healing, which is something that we uh, are pressing in for here. Um, We're just going to watch the first uh, minute or so of this. But uh, I just, I I saw that clip from Heidi uh, a few weeks ago and it it really resonated with me. And again, the the message of love, uh, the heart of love and also the way love takes away performance. It takes away the pressure to produce. It takes away the pressure to perform Uh, because you're no longer doing it. As she said, the focus is obviously the desire, the heart's desire is that the person gets healed. That the person's made whole and set free. But her job's to love. Our job is to love. God's job is to heal. And as we love and as we release healing in the context of love, amazing things begin to happen. And on a scale that we can only imagine, that we can only dream of. I believe it's evidence of Paul's most excellent way. The context in which the gifts are designed to flourish, the context in which they're designed to flow. I just want to turn as well to, and just just look at uh, 1 John, from chapter 7. John, it's the same John who calls himself (laughs) the one the Lord loved. He he didn't uh, suffer from false humility. (laughs) But he, he knew that he was loved. He was the one who you often find was in those most intimate places with Jesus, connecting with love. He knew what love was. He experienced firsthand the love of God. And I love what he writes in 1 John 4 and from verse 7. He just talks about the love of God. And he says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. You know, how comfortable we are with love is how comfortable we are with God, because that's who he is. I love um, Ian McCormack. Uh, I played it here a few years ago, but Ian McCormack, the jellyfish man, some of you might know, He's a guy who got stung by box jellyfish um, and ended up in heaven. Uh, he was pronounced dead and uh, encountered Jesus. He got saved on the way to the hospital. Um, I think remembering partly some of the things his mum had taught him. He was a surfer. He did drugs, slept around, got saved on the way to the hospital. Had this encounter with God and uh, God gave him the option to come back uh, here to tell his story and uh, I think at first he didn't want to come because why would you <laughs> uh, when you've encountered and then he remembered his mum actually and he, he, he thought she won't know that, that he got saved on the way to the hospital so he, he thought of his mum God also showed him all the people that his life would impact and so on that basis he made the choice to come back 
But uh, he describes, again, just encountering the love of God and encountering God himself and just talks about these waves that came out from the presence of God. Joy, peace, and, uh, and then waves of love. And it was at the point where he was withdrawing from God's presence and uh, because he was beginning to remember how he'd lived and the things that he'd done. He was beginning to remember the shame, the drugs, the sex, everything else that went with his lifestyle. And he says as he began to withdraw, another wave of light just broke off and came towards him. And he said it was the love of God. And he said at that point he just melted. He just began to sob. And he could feel that God was just healing his heart from the inside out. And I love, there's a phrase he uses, and he just says, I had no defense for love. I had no defense for love. How comfortable we are with love is how comfortable we are with God. Because God is love. And he wants that to infuse everything we are and everything we do. John goes on, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us even when we were dead in our sins. Even when we were far from him, he was pursuing us. And he was willing to sacrifice in order to bring us home. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Who wants the love of God to be made complete in them? John says here, the way that happens is actually how we love one another. And by loving one another. We know that we live in him and he lives in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. He says again, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And then in verse 18, he says there's no fear in love. Why is there no fear in love? Because perfect love drives out all fear. See, the kingdom of heaven is built on love. It's not built on fear. God motivates us through love, not through fear and compulsion. I loved uh, Joel is here. Um, Joel shared a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed him on a Sunday morning about giving and generosity and wealth creation. If you weren't around, I'd encourage you uh, to listen to that. But he was sharing his journey of discovery of giving and stretching out in faith and seeing God provide and come through. And again, the whole thing was built on this love connection. It was built on this connection with God. And uh, he had a great phrase where he says, 
He's, he's basically guided by God's smile. He's guided by God's smile. And if he can sense God's smile on something, he'll go for it. Why? Because he knows that that will be rewarded. If he can't, you're not going to get a tenner out of him. <laughs> but I loved that. I loved what he shared. And I know many others did too because it came out of connection. It came out of relationship. It came out of love. It came out of pleasure and approval. The kingdom is built on love. I just encourage you as well, if you struggle with fear, Paul says the one who fears, sorry, not Paul, John, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And I love to just turn that around when I'm battling fear or struggling with fear. I see that it's an opportunity to encounter love. It's an opportunity to encounter love. See, because if you turn that on its head, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. So the one who doesn't fear has been made perfect in love, has experienced perfect love. If you struggle with fear, if you're struggling with anxiety, use it as an opportunity to press in for love, press in for more love. All it does is it simply exposes the fact that you you need a, an upgrade in your love encounter. Okay, you can break off the shame, you can break off the guilt. There's perfect love waiting to meet you in order to enable you to overcome those fears, in order to drive those fears away. And he concludes by saying, we love because he first loved us. I just really felt this evening, I just, I feel like God just wants to release a love encounter I just want to release over us that experience of the love of God. And I just want to release uh, encounters with love. I'm pressing in for that myself. So I'm not coming here as an expert. I'm coming here someone who's tasted something of the love of God and hungry for more. Um, I just want to invite you... If, Or just engage your spirits, however you want to do that. Just engage your spirits as Chris just plays. Father, we want to do things the most excellent way. Thank you that your culture, that heaven's culture is built on love. That you are love. And Father, I just, we, we, just come to you now for an upgrade in love. We come to encounter perfect love in you. And I just release that and we receive that. Thank you that love changes everything. Inside us and around us. And inside those around us as well. And thank you, you've called us first and foremost to love. To be loved and to love. And I just want to release over you just encounters with the beloved. Encounters with love. 
Some of you, it's like you've been banging your head against a brick wall and things you've been wanting to do and see happen and you've been wondering what's holding you back. And I believe God's just inviting you to an upgrade in love. You've not been doing anything wrong. But there's just more love needed. And Father, we just lower our defences as well. We lower our defences and we give you permission to invade our hearts with your love. And to invade our lives with your love. Thank you, Jesus. Let us be known as ones who love. Let us be known for love and power. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to let Chris play. You just receive. Just receive.